0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of the Collegeology podcast, where college meets science. I'm your host, Bondi Johnson, and today we're going to talk about the freshman 15, all right? We're kicking it off strong. Now, a few quick things before we get into the show. A new episode of Collegeology will be produced every Monday evening, so be sure to add the podcast to your favorite RSSS feed like iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, whatever you like to listen to your podcasts on. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at The Collegeology Podcast for information on topics, as well as participate in contests, and even be a part of the show. All links, including links to the studies available, will be in the show notes. Now, let's give this podcast the old college try. You're listening to The Collegeology Podcast, where college meets science. Uh, is this going to be on the exam? All right, the freshman 15, the downfall of so many first-year college students, the partying, the alcohol, the freedom to buy your own food for the first time, just college in general. Why is the freshman 15 so prevalent? How can this unwelcome addition of weight be kept off? And if it finds its way to you, how can you bounce back? Well, today joining me is Mrs. Jennifer Farrell to discuss how you can keep those 15 or more pounds from finding their way to your waistline, and if they make it there, how to get them off. Mrs. Farrell received her bachelor's from Florida State with dual majors in exercise science and dietetics with a minor in child development, as well as her master's in dietetics. She is currently a teacher in the College of Human Sciences and the program director for the didactic program in dietetics at Florida State University. Mrs. Farrell, hello, and thank you for coming on the show.
1: Well, hello. Thank you.
0: Will you go ahead and just give a quick background on what got you into nutrition?
1: Well, I took the nutrition class. I was required to. I was interested in actually science. I was going, knew I wanted to go into the health field. I took the nutrition class and I loved it. I was like, people do this for <laughs> a opposite. living?
0: That's the opposite reaction most
1: people <laughs> have. <laughs> I was like, people do this for a living? I want to do this for a living. And so here I am. Yeah. Kept going.
0: Well, we're going to dive right into the freshman 15. I want to get your take on it, maybe some advice for people who might be struggling with it, or how you can just kind of altogether avoid it. So I went ahead and got the scientific definition, the most scientific I could find. I got it off Urban Dictionary. It's when a first-year college student eats a ton and proceeds to sit on their ass and gain 15 pounds. Okay, so... Most scientific definition of the freshman 15. I also, I wanted to bring that up mostly because I feel like that is what people think is that it's just kind of this college students get to college and, you know, maybe they were an athlete in high school and they're not doing it in college or maybe they had an activity that they like to do with their friends that you know kept them exercising and then when you get to college you're not doing that anymore but i don't think it's specifically the exercise or the diet when you get to college there's a lot of things like the drinking and with you know with the drinking comes staying up till the the wee hours of the morning which we all know is not healthy it doesn't help with weight loss Uh, lack of food restriction you have nobody telling you what to eat when to eat the stress of college i mean you know hands down probably the most stressful times of your lives and then the lack of education on these things and you know, food in general, but not just food on on all of the things that I just mentioned. So, you know, what would you say coming to college is, I don't want to say number one, because there's a lot of them, but, you know, we have genetics and we have the lifestyle factor. What would you say is kind of the most important thing when it comes to, to weight?
1: When it comes to college students, I think it is the complete upheaval of their lifestyle. And having to find a new normal. The new normal, your schedule is not the same every day like it was in high school. You don't have a scheduled practice. Right. Your meals are hit or miss. Right your sleep patterns. And we know sleep is super important for resetting hormones like leptin for weight maintenance. And then when you're eating and introducing alcohol, I mean, alcohol is metabolized directly to fat just about. So (laughs) it is a complete and utter upheaval and lack of a schedule that allows for easy health habits.
0: Right. And not to mention the, the usual pizza or you yes. know, whatever it is that follows it, the night of drinking.
1: It, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, when you eat with friends, uh, you never say hey, let's go get a grilled a salad with grilled chicken. It's like, <laughs> let's go get wings and a pitcher of beer. Yes. And then after several drinks, it's to Guthrie's, not yeah, right? to... The fun places. Know, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: and In- just to make sure that we uh, we all know that the freshman 15 is a thing, and we'll talk about to what degree it's a thing, this one study that was done, the objective was to look at the belief that college students gained 15 pounds during freshman year and see if there was evidence. Authors aimed to determine whether college students gained weight during freshman year. The conclusion of the study was freshman weight gain was 5.5 times greater than experienced by the general population. So that's not saying 15 pounds, but it was saying five times greater than the general population. We have another study where the purpose was to present any changes in body weight that might occur, body composition, RMR, and dietary intake in newly enrolled college freshmen. The conclusion of this study was the present study supports the notion that freshman students, on average, gain weight during their first semester. What I found interesting about this is that It was an increase in the percent fat mass and a decrease in lean body mass. So we know it's not Mm -hmm. good weight opposed to some guy who comes to college and he's getting like jacked from working out all the time because (laughs) it's still weight gain. But this specifically saying we have an increase in the percent fat mass and a decrease in the, the percent lean body mass. So you had mentioned something where the average weight gain was much lower than 15 pounds.
1: I read a study that said it was about seven pounds. Okay, um, which is still a lot. I mean, considering on a frame seven pounds is still a lot, but definitely the study you saw, you saw um, high fat mass, less lean body mass, definitely lends credence that that weight is coming from altered habits, whether those are both, both dietary and exercise habits.
0: Right. Right. To cause that, yeah. Accumulation of fat. It's not like I said the healthy kind of weight that we would be attempting to gain. Exactly. Um so the freshman 15 whether it's 15 pounds or just some amount of weight is a thing. Now and it's been shown the study that you're referring to, you know, kind of cut it in half, but again, it's some sort of weight gain when students come to college. So I want to I want to look at what's causing this and I feel like some of the unhealthy habits that people have might not be so clear as being unhealthy habits and an example of one of those things which i want to address all of these would be exercising to kind of combat poor eating so you hear it all the time it's like oh you know i had you know whatever it is i had a snickers bar today looks like i got to go to the gym Mm -hmm. and run this off (laughs) and it's feel like it's a very common occurrence now like i feel like that creates a very unhealthy relationship with food what's your take on that
1: it's It's going to take a long time to exercise off a Snickers bar. <laughs> so I, I agree with you. It's, it shouldn't be a I need to exercise off certain foods. Our food should be incorporated in our entire daily habits. And then so should some form of healthy exercise. We look at this campus, and it's a very large campus, and you see people walking across campus, and you think that you're getting a lot of exercise. But walking really doesn't burn that many calories, So your overall daily intake needs to be on target. And that's different for everybody.
0: Right. Right. Okay. So just kind of matching, keeping the food on par with the right. And so
1: if you eat, you know, regular, what you might consider regular foods, but then you add in a Snickers bar here and a dessert there and something else, suddenly that's so many calories. You're never going to be able to, quote, exercise that off at the gym. And then it lends to those extra calories, which causes extra pounds
0: right and not to mention I feel like when you are kind of going to the gym to work off something that you may have eaten throughout the day it kind of creates this this mentality of like I really don't want to be here I'm just here because I feel like I need to be and then I feel like you know it creates this cycle like you start to hate the gym because it's this place you go where you kind of feel self-pity that you're like I gotta run this off like And um, so (laughs) an unhealthy habit. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the gym should never
1: be punishment. It should be. uh, Gym is like is somewhat meditation for the brain, but it's movement. Right. And the gym can continue to be that way. And it continue to be stress release as opposed to something that is punishment and causing stress. Yes. It should be stress release. Right.
0: Another thing that you'll hear very often is that people will skip meals at least I've heard this this one definitely isn't as common but people skip meals to eat more at a certain time Mm -hmm. and I know that that probably isn't necessarily as much of a blatant unhealthy habit as specifically exercising to combat poor eating but what would you say is it might be a downfall of like saving up your calories essentially
1: yeah I Some people just don't get hungry in the morning, you know, and that's okay. But if you're doing it and you feel deprived or you know you're hungry but you're not going to eat because you know you're going out with friends that night, that's when you become deprived. And when you deprive yourself, then you're more likely to binge. So instead of going out with your friends and really being able to moderate what you're going to eat, you say, I didn't eat all day. I can eat this. And it becomes this – a binge but it also becomes a quote unquote reward food and that starts right. you into a negative cycle
0: right okay yeah just that <laughs> bad habit of <laughs> right i
1: mean food is going to be good and bad in terms of taste and yes there are foods that we associate with certain celebratory activities and birthdays and things like that but food is also nothing more than nourishment for our bodies and right. so when we have hang everything on food this is i'm not gonna eat here my whole day surrounds not eating i'm gonna suddenly splurge at the end of the day because i'm going out with friends i'm saving it all your whole day is around food and right and it shouldn't be right it should be around getting together with your friends not about yeah. the food that you're eating with your right.
0: friends i think that's that was perfect to to sum that up it's something that you hear and you're just kind of like you know, it's it seems off, and I think that right there is exactly why <laughs> why it's not something that you, or if you're doing, you want to be conscious of and say, hey, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't be doing this, uh, it might be cause this, this unhealthy cycle. And, and my favorite would be skipping meals to drink. Yes. Because a lot of people will go, you know, if I'm drinking, I want to get drunk faster, okay? That happens on an empty stomach. I don't want the extra calories of the food because I know alcohol and, you know, what they're mixed with contain a lot of calories. So can you touch on why that might not be a good idea?
1: Oh, yes. That is one of those things that is so opposite and contrary to what's actually a healthy way to do this. You should definitely eat when you drink because drinking without food in your stomach Increases the absorption of alcohol, which does cause intoxication faster, but also it changes the metabolism to an extent because all the other food in our body, it slows down the absorption, but it also slows down the metabolism. So instead of working on strictly ethanol, we have other nutrients in our bloodstream. So as someone drinks, they get high blood glucose levels with all the alcohol and that's coming into the body. And then when they metabolize that alcohol, the blood glucose levels drop. Mm-hmm. And then it causes a lot of negative effects. But when they're eating, then the body still has a little bit of nourishment to work on. Right. And so you don't get such negative effects of the low blood sugar, the hangover, the cravings for food after drinking. Because people will save up all their calories to drink, but then that self-control leaves them when they've Once got they start some drinks in them. <laughs> and then what they're eating afterwards is very unhealthy.
0: Oh, of course. But it's
1: so much better to eat something healthy, but still filling, before drinking and while drinking. And and at least then you're getting good food, too. Right. Right.
0: Um, you some sort of nutrition. Exactly. You're slamming the pizza afterwards.
1: Exactly. Okay. And... Let's I mean, safety wise, too much drinking causes so many negative decisions being intoxicated that quickly. So slowing down the absorption of alcohol is much healthier for you in the long run in terms of just being safe.
0: Right. Right. And which alcohol we will go more into depth on another episode. So don't worry. We're not leaving alcohol behind. But yeah, like you said, as far as weight gain goes, consuming that alcohol and, and what you're going to be eating afterwards, especially if you didn't eat before, you're probably going to eat a lot more of whatever it is you're going to eat afterwards. Absolutely. Which is going to be not as good of a, of a food decision, most likely.
1: Yes. Completely contrary to what you want to happen.
0: Yes. (laughs) So those are some unhealthy habits that you will commonly see or just hear about. I do want to address some healthy habits that people can maybe start to incorporate and, you know, hopefully combat the weight gain or, or replace the unhealthy habits with these healthy habits. So I'll talk about portion control and how important portion control is and how much it can help. So what would you suggest is a great way to go or a good way to go about portion control?
1: Portion control is so tough because portion is distorted. And in our society, we don't even know what a normal portion is anymore. If you're eating at like Swanee, you've got your plate and the my plate diagram that the government's come out with is actually pretty good. I know that the government doesn't always have great examples for a lot of things, but it It basically breaks your plate up into four quadrants and you've got a fruit, a vegetable, meat, and a grain. And so as long as it fits within that plate and you're not spilling over all over the place, that's a pretty good portion. And if you're hungry after you've eaten that, then go back for more vegetables. When you're going out to eat, a lot of times you can safely cut that food in half and get a regular portion. If you go, even if you go to fast food. A child's meal is probably pretty close to a regular portion. (laughs) Um, You know, it's our portions are way out of control. So the thing I tell people, you can always eat more. So if you stop, if you order the child's meal and you're still hungry, you can always get more. It's not your last meal. (laughs) (laughs) If you're at a restaurant and you cut all your food in half and you are still hungry... You can eat more. (laughs) (laughs) And certainly at Swanee, we know you can go back. Um, So start off small and then sit for a few minutes and see how you feel. We eat with our eyes, not so much according to how we feel. We eat with our taste buds and we eat with our eyes. And we should really be paying attention to how our stomachs feel as we eat.
0: Right, which is something that I feel has been lost along the way.
1: And snacks are a really hard one because we open up that box that bag and we just eat out of the box or bag but if you truly take some out put it on a plate put it in a bowl put it on a napkin close that container up and walk away from it and then again if you want more you can go back
0: Right. But, Chances are you probably won't want to get up to get it anyway. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know what? I really don't want it. But, Set you know, that back just in the cabinet. Open. Yeah, exactly. Now, how effective do you think an eating schedule is? Uh, do you think it can be helpful? Is it worth trying for some people who think they might have sporadic eating that, you know, might hinder their success when it comes to really controlling what they're eating?
1: Yeah, there are two very distinct schools of thought on this. So there's the intuitive eating habits, which are you feel hungry, you think about what you're eating, you're going to listen to your body. But on the downside of that, they have shown that people who carry excess adiposity are not able to intuitively determine how hungry they are and how full they are. Mm. And so for somebody who's really looking to lose weight, putting themselves on a schedule, making sure it's whatever they can fit realistically into their day three meals and two snacks, maybe it's, um, you know, two snacks, a snack and a couple of meals. But putting that that may help them. And then as they start to feel full or feel hungry, or they know they're able to figure out how much they eat and how much their body needs, then they can go more intuitive. And for people who are relatively healthy, a lot of people do sort of intuitively eat anyways. But then if you find yourselves gaining weight, clearly your intuition or what you're listening to. So you're getting some false cues somewhere. Right. So those false cues could be, I'm watching everybody else eat and now I want it. It could be right. that you smell certain food and maybe we need to go back to listening to really what does our stomach say? Okay. Are we really hungry or not? Okay,
0: right. So just like you said before, kind of listen to your body mm-hmm. and see what it's feeling and, and meet that need.
1: Exactly. But for those who have a lot of weight to to lose, they probably haven't had those feelings. They haven't been able to listen to their body's cues for a long right. time. So putting themselves on a schedule we'll get them there.
0: Okay. Definitely help. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with how busy people are and, and to what extent that is, sometimes it's, it's an excuse. Sometimes, you know, there's a lot of truth behind it. Would you, s- or have you seen any correlation to people who cook more often opposed to eat out um, with with weight control? Have you seen anything where it helps to, to cook your own food?
1: In general, it's easier to eat. Eat healthy when you're cooking your own food because you know everything that's going in it, and you can buy those ingredients that are have less added additives and things that are in them. I mean, if you were to to bake your own bread, for example, it only has what three or four ingredients in it. Right. You look at what's on the bread.
0: I got a bread maker for Christmas. I love it.
1: Oh, I mean, homemade baked (laughs) bread is the best. It is, (laughs) and it makes your house smell wonderful. Um, But if you go buy a loaf of bread at the grocery store, it's got a lot of things that are added to Mm -hmm. it. So in general, if you cook, you can buy your own ingredients and you can make things healthier. But on the other hand, cooking does take time. And the startup of cooking, you've got to buy spices and pots and pans and knives and things like that. So that does take an initial investment, even if the long run you can make a meal cheaper. But you've got to have all that initial investment. So there are ways to eat out healthy. It just takes a little more work. You just got to be more selective right. of on where you're going. Um, you may end up having to decrease
0: portion sizes
1: because the right. food is going to be more calorically dense. So you eat less than what you would eat if you had made it at home.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think when it comes to drinking? So we're, jump, we're I'm going to jump to low calorie drinks because I, I, you know, alcohol is just definitely plays such a big role um, on college campuses. Do you think it's worth it to to be conscious of the calorie content of your drinks and try to opt for the lower calorie drinks as far as weight management goes?
1: I do. So low calorie drinks are also lower in alcohol because mm-hmm. ethanol. So if we think about the amount of calories provided, a carbohydrate, which all alcohol is made from a carbohydrate that is fermented. So the carbohydrate car- provides you with four calories per gram. Ethanol provides you with seven calories per gram. So to lower the calories in an alcoholic beverage, they also lower the ethanol content. So if you look at a Budweiser versus a Bud Light, Bud Light has less alcohol. It also has less mm. calories. It's not just light on the, on the calories. People it's love also... their Bud Light. Calories. Exactly. <laughs> and then if you go down to what is the Mc Ultra, for right. example, it's right. even lower in alcohol. So definitely, I think for a lot of reasons, going with the lighter alcohol content also lends you to less calorie content
0: okay and if i uh if i do diet sodas in my mixed drinks am i gonna Mm -hmm. get cancer or is that just gonna help (laughs) is that just gonna help reduce the sugar that i'm taking (laughs) so
1: the link between cancer and artificial sweeteners has been debunked uh it is it is okay to drink diet sodas
0: all right yes that's good news that's great news (laughs) All right. I want to do a little bit of myth busting. I kind of kicked it off with of that right there. <laughs> but I feel like these specifically really kind of uh, alter the way that people will eat um, because and most of them are making them think that they're doing something healthier to help manage their weight when a lot of the times it's not. And it's better that they know it's not because then they'll opt for other methods which are probably going to be a little more effective. The first thing I want to talk about is a calories a calorie. So there's kind of this I think perception that all calories are equal and obviously to a degree, the amount of calories you take in plays a big role. Mm -hmm. But when we look at the calories a calorie, that kind of opens the door of like, okay, well, you know, I had cereal, some Pop-Tarts, a few donuts, but hey, I ate, you know, my 1700 calories today. Mm -hmm. So can we maybe talk about why that might not be the Healthiest thing to look at is just making sure you hit that calorie mark.
1: Yeah. I mean, a calorie is a calorie to some extent. I mean, if you, if a person has determined that they need to eat 1,500 calories to maintain their weight and they eat it in 1,500 calories of ice cream, they will still maintain their weight. But the problem with that is what else? the reason we have so many, such a varied diet is because we need things that come from all food groups. You're not getting vitamins. You're not getting minerals. You're not getting the polyphenols and the carotenoids and all those healthy fibers if all you're doing is eating 1500 calories and ice cream. So true, a calorie is a calorie is a calorie, but you need your B vitamins to then break down those calories properly. You need all of these really important things in full food groups. And the food groups that provide some of the most bang for your buck – your fruits and vegetables provide all your fiber. Uh, they provide vitamins. They provide polyphenols, carotenoids, all those things that help make your skin and hair beautiful.
0: Exactly. And
1: uh, you know, <laughs> proteins provide lots of B vitamins, and so you need it from all different food groups. Cutting out one group of macronutrients, you're also cutting out other things. Right. So calories do need to be in there, but you got to get them from good sources. Right. To get right. everything.
0: So don't. We're not just looking at that calorie number. because right. Then we're probably going to be lacking in some other department. Absolutely. Your car
1: needs both gas and oil (laughs) just because you put gas in it. It'll die without oil. So (laughs) you got to get it. You got to get it all.
0: Leading off calories, calorie. I want to touch on fat makes you fat. Because it's kind of, uh, I feel like those two things (laughs) relate very closely to each other. um, And it's very easy to fill up those calories with carbohydrates when you convince yourself that the fat is making you fat. (laughs) In which case, you might be opting for that low-fat ice cream, you know, as the healthier (laughs) option. So can we talk about why fat doesn't necessarily make you fat?
1: Right. So... Here's the here's the the thin vein of truth that came from fat provides nine calories per gram, which means that when you eat one gram of fat, you're getting nine calories. You could eat two grams of carbohydrates and still only get eight Eight. calories. Right. So the idea is that if you eat too much fat, you're going to be eating a lot of calories. But that doesn't mean that fat makes you fat. It just means that you need to eat it in the right amount. Right. So there is not key. absolutely there is not one macronutrient again that is going to make you fat or make you skinny. You right. need all three of them, right?
0: Doctor Clay said it best. I forget who it was, but I, in in his class he said uh, it was a quote from somebody that it's the dose that makes the poison. I love that. Absolutely, that, I was like, that is. <laughs>
1: I mean, water, you don't drink water, you die of dehydration. Too much water, you die of of water intoxication. It's the (laughs) dose.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And I love this. I think I'm going to make a episode solely on this, but people will opt for these natural foods. And again, I feel like there's nothing wrong with with opting for the foods that are labeled as natural or organic. But it creates this mentality of I was healthy because I ate natural or because I eat all natural mm-hmm. when that might not necessarily mean that you're eating healthy.
1: Right. It comes down to, one, what do you? what is your definition of healthy? Right. Because it could be multiple things. The other thing is every time you look at a food label, remember that that food company is there to sell food they're not worried necessarily i mean about your health really they're there right. to sell the food right. so m- many people many dietitians like myself have problems with these labels because they are sold as healthy so people think they can eat more of them and then they increase the price and in reality it's it depends on what healthy is and what you want to go for so if you would like to go for all organic that's fine But also take a look at what you're eating. I work, I talk to moms about kids all the time, and I'll have a mom that says, I feed my kids all organic and she's feeding them organic cheesy poofs. (laughs) I would rather (laughs) see that child eat a non organic piece of fruit than organic cheesy poofs. And I think I see, (laughs) and we do see that those foods that say organic. So people are like, it's healthy, I can eat it. Exactly. But again, it's still a cheesy poof. Right.
0: (laughs) Yes, and I feel like that's kind of what I was hoping to hit on, is that just because it's labeled organic or natural does not mean that it's good for you.
1: Right. It's Again, I mean, it does go back to calories and and quality of calories. Right. Those cheesy poofs don't have a whole lot in them that an apple would, Right. even if they say they're organic. Uh, And the same thing with granola bars. A lot of those granola bars are just glorified candy bars. If you look at the back, you would be doing just as well eating a candy bar. Mm-hmm. so a lot of those quick snack foods just be very careful on those labels to make sure that you're getting what you think you're getting. Right. If you think that if you know I'm going for a certain parameter of calories, make sure you're getting it. If you if you, what's important to you is that things aren't processed, then look at those labels, but don't just blindly trust the label because that label is there to sell you.
0: Right. So if there's somebody that is that happens to be struggling with weight or is hoping to kind of adopt some more of these these healthy habits I feel like the internet as wonderful of a thing it is when it comes to stuff like that you're going to kind of find a lot of crap before you find any good information <laughs> so where where should they go where should somebody seeking you know advice on nutrition or trying to kind of get those things in line where should they go
1: that is a hard thing to do because so much the government really does have a lot of good information but the government's information is kind of boring and it's not pizzazz it's not shiny and sparkly <laughs> like what you're going to get and it's somewhat general. Whereas if you go and you look for some magic bullet diet, it's going to have lots of clean cut rules. Just because the rules are simple doesn't mean it's easy to follow them or it's right to follow them. Right. But if you look at just general information again, the government's got some good stuff out there. It's things like start with lean proteins and lots of fruits and vegetables and start there and the snacks and things, plan your snacks, make that part of your day so that you're not ravenous at the end and grabbing something out of a quick, the place, what is the place that they're next to the Chick-fil-A, you know, where you can just run oh, in the and pod gra- the pod, the pod. yeah, yeah we can just yeah. pick up something real quick. Right. Instead, plan it, know what you're going to eat, and that's right. that's really important. But I would probably say the government, some of the best information, even though it's not exciting, it's right. still <laughs> still. It's good. It's solid. It's solid, good place to start. Right. It's right. solid right. information. And anytime you see information given out by a dietitian, a registered dietitian, Look a lot that, of RD. a lot of medical doctors have a lot of good advice. But there's a lot of medical doctors that are out there to sell books as well, to sell their diet. There's a lot of Dr. Oz's out there. (laughs) (laughs) So, but dietitians are really, they've got real solid code of ethics in terms of what they are allowed to promote. Mm -hmm. So it may not be full of hard, fast rules, but it will give you good guidelines.
0: Right. They get fit quick.
1: Yes. You're not going (laughs) to see those being sold by dietitians. If it takes a year to gain it, you shouldn't expect to lose it in two weeks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very well said. All right. Well, again, thank you for coming on today. You kicked off the very first episode of the Collegeology podcast with me. So thank you. Well, thank
1: you. Uh, I have enjoyed it.
0: Hopefully you had fun doing it. That's a wrap for today, everybody. I hope you learned some things and had fun along the way. Remember to rate and review the podcast if you liked it to help me out and keep an eye out for the next episode, which will be out on Monday night. You've been listening to the Collegeology podcast where college meets science. Until next time.